Hello, and welcome to the Green Tea Party, where we discuss conservative solutions to environmental problems. I'm Hannah Rogers. My name is Zach Torpy. Together, we will guide you through complex issues and provide strategies to address them. All while remaining faithful to our conservative values. And it will be a really good time. Yeah, it's a party. So grab your mugs and we'll pour the tea. Okay, so we have really good news and some bad news about our second episode. The good news on the episode called Petroleum and Pumpkin Spice, How Our Reliance on Foreign Oil Compromises America's Future, is our most downloaded episode, which is huge for us. The bad news is we've received some feedback recently, and some of the things that we said in this episode were offensive to people who served in the military during the wars in the Middle East. So in this episode at the beginning we wanted to issue an apology for what we said yeah we we had no intention of disrespecting our service members rather to critique the leaders who directed the u.s military into a prolonged conflict especially since many of us young people feel that these wars necessarily put service members and our friends in harm's way we respect the dignity and value of their sacrifice however we do not support the political leaders whose agendas are often put above the needs and lives of the individual service members I mean, gosh, Zach, I can totally see how people would be like, I dedicated my whole career to fighting and serving in the Middle East. And this episode just kind of brushes that aside when we don't make that distinction clear. I have nothing to say except for that I'm truly embarrassed and ashamed for what I said. I would never in my wildest dreams want to disrespect the people who fight for our freedom. Yeah, these political service members aren't in any way at fault. They did many acts of heroism, helped many people, including the civilians that were there. Though all the blame falls at the fault of the leaders who put them in harm's way and led us into a situation that had no possible good ending in sight. It's good that we have feedback from our listeners so that we can reach out to people and apologize. I really appreciate the people who raised the red flag that this is disrespectful to service members. And from now on, we will definitely do better, especially for the people who protect our country. And so thank you so much for offering us that feedback, and we're going to do better in the future. Yes, thank you. Okay, Zach, it's just you and me this week. Yeah, sounds like Katie's helping someone give birth. That sounds like way too much responsibility for me. What do you mean? You don't want to help someone give birth? That sounds terrifying. <laughs> Last place I would want to be. <laughs> Katie works as a doula part-time, and she is really good at it. But today, she's stuck helping someone bring their brand new baby into this world. And so we're not going to take her away from that because as much as we love Green Tea Party Radio, we feel like maybe helping someone give birth is probably a little bit more important. But if you can't tell, my voice is a little bit scratchy this weekend with the autumn air here in Utah starting. I'm feeling a little bit sick. And Zach, you sound a lot better. Yeah, thanks to the Patreon donations. I've gotten a new mic and I'm all set up and ready to jam. So Zach, I also hear that you are house shopping. Is that true? Yeah, me and my girlfriend have started looking around Denver to settle down permanently. It's unfortunate we can't afford the ultimate dream house and get somewhere we could start being more dependent, put some solar panels on. I would love a greenhouse. Maybe in like 20 or 30 years when we have more money. <laughs> wow, that's so exciting. I am not looking for a new house. So tell me more about that dream house, that like self-sufficiency dream that you have. What, what makes you feel that way and what is the draw in that? 
I have this dream of having a house, having solar panels, and maybe an electric car if they ever come down in price, and just being able to not have to pay an electric bill, not have to be reliant on the government or big corporations for my energy, my water heating. Future dream is to have a uh, greenhouse, grow my own vegetables throughout the year, grow some in the yard, and maybe even get a chicken coop. I love chickens. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love chickens too. So for those of the, you guys who don't know, I was raised in a family that was a me- members of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. And one of the biggest values that I was instilled with growing up is self-sufficiency and reliance, self-reliance. And we here at Green Tea Party Radio know that that's something that a lot of conservatives also care about is being self-reliant and independent. And we were kind of thinking about like how self-reliance and independence really fits in with this whole environmental conversation. I was raised gardening in my own backyard garden. We'd can our food. We'd pick fruit from our orchard and we'd make juices and jams. My family was very geared towards self-reliance. We had something called a food storage room in our basement where it's just this room filled with food that we grew ourselves on our own land and we canned ourselves and preserved ourselves. So we didn't really have to rely on the grocery store or on someone outside of ourselves, outside of our family unit to provide for us. As someone who really doesn't want anyone interfering with my life, because that's one of my biggest values as a conservative is just having that privacy and that independence. Being raised this way was like really enlightening and kind of like a a guiding force for the rest of my life. Yeah, that's amazing, Hannah. I I am jealous of that experience. I wish I could have grown up and learned how to farm properly. Right now, all I have is a little home growing like tomato station. (laughs) But that's amazing that you you learned how to can food and become more self-sufficient. As a conservative, that's what you want to be, especially when we're dealing with inflation like we are nowadays and how expensive groceries have gotten. But it feels nice to pluck your own tomato and be like, oh, I don't need to pay $1.50 a pound for a tomato now. <laughs> yeah. And the nice thing about it is I really learned that that is a luxury that not a lot of people can afford. But there's other ways that you can create this kind of self-sufficiency. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk a lot about energy self-sufficiency as it pertains to like rooftop solar, you know, updating your the infrastructure in your house to make sure that you're cutting those electricity bills. But really, environmentalism and self-reliance truly go hand in hand. And I feel like the more self-reliant you are, the less you have to rely on big corporations or the government, probably the more environmentally conscious your lifestyle is going to be, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the more environmentally friendly your lifestyle is going to be. They go hand in hand. The outdoorsy farming hunting, saying no to the government, uh, extra costs and fees with their energy. That's the dream you want to live and get away from being reliant on anyone else and just take care of yourself, take care of your own. And So Zach, I live in a house that was built in 1919. And so it doesn't really have very good insulation. It's just terrible in the summertime. It gets, it kind of feels like a hot box. And in the wintertime, it just feels like a, a freezer because You know, the house just doesn't retain its temperature very well. Last winter, I paid probably $300 a month in gas. And this summer, I've paid about $130, $140 in electricity just for air conditioning. What is the average American's electrical bill? And what can we do to make that lower? Yeah, currently, energy bills are about $121 per month for the average person in the USA. They can get as high as $180 in places like Hawaii or California where energy prices are just more expensive. 
a large part of this individual heating, individual energy consumption is coming from heating and cooling systems, such as your HVAC system, your baseboard electric heaters. These can be offset a lot by just improving the efficiency of your house. Just using insulation, just increasing the insulation in your house helps retain the heat and prevent the cold air from coming in a lot. What I have heard is using white paint on your roof to reflect more sun can save about 20% of cooling costs on a hot day. If you've ever been to Greece, I feel like the ancients had this figured out. And for some reason, we got a lost in translation. But if you paint your house white, it actually reflects more energy than can you know permeate that surface. You can save hundreds of dollars a year just by painting your roof white. And another interesting fact about this was when Barack Obama was president, his chief of science said that we should paint roads white and our houses white just to save money and energy. President Barack Obama laughed him out of the office, which is kind of embarrassing to look at right now. But updating your house and just the infrastructure of your house is a really inexpensive way to become more self-reliant. Another way that people do it is by updating the energy infrastructure, like adding solar water heaters and adding solar panels, rooftop solar to your, your house. Rooftop solar has become a big part of the push for green energy in the U.S. It really helps you become independent because you're not going to put up your own uh, wind turbine because that's hundreds of feet in your yard. You can't fit that. And I doubt the local government's going to approve that unless you're an energy supplier. But you can easily get solar panels installed onto your roof and supply all the energy you need. The U.S. has struggled with the pricing on solar just because of how bureaucratic and difficult it is to get them installed and deal with your local government and get your permitting. So it's a very difficult thing to do nowadays, but when you get it done, it can save you a lot of money. And usually they pay off within six to nine years and they can last for 30 to 50 years, which means 30 to 50 years of energy that you are not buying from PG&E or General Electric. I get that like not everyone who lives in a house can afford to put rooftop solar. But if you're a college student or a high school student, you're listening to this radio show, you can tell your school to put solar panels on their rooftop. My university has been resistant to doing that in the past, but the school can afford that upfront cost. And then they would save more money by just having electricity being generated on the rooftop from solar panels So urge your schools and urge your um, churches or your universities to just implement rooftop solar. Um, There's another program that is not available in every state, but it's something called net metering. So net metering is essentially like if you've had excess energy that is produced from rooftop solar, you can sell it back to energy producers and you can sell it back to your neighbors on the grid. So, of course, energy producers are going to be resistant to rooftop solar because they have a monopoly over every municipality. The trade-off for being a monopoly is that they have to produce energy at the lowest cost, right? So if you're producing energy at the lowest cost, there's going to be a lot of waste. They're going to kind of cut corners, but they have to because that's what the regulation says. And so how they make money is they rely on having everyone in that municipality reliant on them for energy. So more people who put rooftop solar onto their roofs, that's them losing a customer, right? Frankly, like, I don't really want to rely on someone who is cutting corners because of these weird bureaucratic regulations in order to produce energy. I'd rather just have my own rooftop solar, you know? Yeah, these big energy corporations aren't really the local community's best friend because you look at all the damage they do through the wildfires that a lot of times are started by faulty electrical equipment. 
And their pushback against like becoming energy independent is really hurting the environmental movement. They are spending millions of dollars to lobby governments to push back against these environmental policies to give people the money when they provide solar through net metering. And it's hurting like the transition because once you take that net metering away and the ability to sell your neighbor's electricity, it reduces the uh, cost effectiveness of solar significantly because now you're producing excess energy and you've, you, you have nowhere to put it and the electrical grid just takes it in. They take it in for pennies on the dollar of what you're producing it for and they don't give you anything. Another thing about these companies is they're trying to catch up because ultimately there is a lot of pressure in the face of anthropogenic climate change to be more environmentally conscious. So Rocky Mountain Power, which is the municipality that I get my electricity from, I pay for something called subscriber solar. Every month I pay an extra 7 to $10 to ensure that the electricity that I am using in my house is coming from a solar panel farm. They are succumbing to the pressure and they are trying to adapt, but I feel like it's just so odd to me that they are still so against rooftop solar when I think a lot of these energy producing companies could transition to being solar panel companies. Another thing about this is solar panels have almost no transmission losses. If you think about how far away my power plant is from my house, that electricity has to travel so far to get to my house, a significant portion of that energy could be lost just from transmission. But if the energy that you're using is being produced directly on your house, there's almost no transmission loss. And another aspect is after you pay for the technology, it takes about six to nine years to pay off a solar panel, putting in rooftop solar on your house, uh, including the tax benefits, you can probably make that a bit faster. After that, you don't have an energy bill, which is something that I would really like because who really at the end of the day wants to pay more bills for the rest of their life, right? Yeah. And I think an important part is the time it takes to pay these off is greatly inflated in the US by like the bureaucracy of municipalities and the local energy companies that are fighting against these um, solar panels going up. In Australia, they have far cheaper solar than we do as a country. On average, they pay a dollar per watt for their solar energy versus in the US where we're paying three to like five to six dollars per watt, which makes it much more expensive to install these uh, solar panels and leads to a huge increase in cost. And instead of them being paid off in three to five years, they're paid off in six to nine years. So this has led to Australia having 30% of their houses having solar versus the US only like 4% of our houses have installed solar. And the bureaucracy is kills any uh, progress because it can take months to get your solar permit approved by your local government. Every county jurisdiction has different rules. So it's very hard for solar companies to like roll out because they need to check every rule for every single town that they're installing in. So it's very bureaucratic, which has made it very difficult to complete the permitting process and just makes it difficult when this could be an effective solution to energy independence like it is in Australia. Don't you just love red tape, Zach? It's not the best <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> I work it's for the like, local government. It is very red tape oh heavy. Oh <laughs> my gosh. I hate red tape so much. I worked for the government for a second and I will tell you something. Red tape is, it doesn't make any sense. It's just there. It literally is just there. And I, it, it just exists. And I, I ha- hate it with every visceral bit of my body. Especially because in the face of something as huge as anthropogenic climate change and somebody wanting to live in alignment with their values of being self-reliant, I just think it's silly that we'd have to fill out a bunch of paperwork in order to do that, you know? 
Yeah, and a lot of this comes down to just politics and people being against solar, often lobbying dollars being given to them by fossil fuel companies where they where they want to make it more difficult for people to install the solar. And it's just American individuals should have the chance to invest in this technology and improve their energy independence when they want more freely, not to fight against the bureaucracy just to get it done. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one reason why I would want to go off the grid. I was actually just uh, on YouTube a minute ago watching this guy who was raised Amish and has just like started this huge farm that he grows all his vegetables. He doesn't have, you know, an electricity bill and he has solar panels and he's just living this life out in the woods. And that is my dream is to just have a life that is so simple. If not receiving an electricity bill is part of that because I have rooftop solar, then that's a step that I'm going to, I'm willing to take, you know? So I have a question. Why do you feel like there's so much pushback against environmentalism, but conservatives value self-reliance so much? And how come you don't think that conservatives see that those things go hand in hand? That's a good question. I think it's just the culture has changed. I think the individual ruggedness has come up against the uh, country oil man that we uh, that was developed in the past century, whereas our country learned to love oil. It made our country rich. It was part of the way we became a very dominant country in the world and helped establish ourselves. I think as the economics transition, we'll see a faster transition to solar. Once battery technology becomes more available and people can actually be off the grid and efficient, that transition will speed up dramatically. Yeah, this is one thing that I feel like I think people have feelings about with when it comes to like solar and wind is they, they don't see it as reliable, if that makes sense. One thing I always say when people always ask me about like, why, why would I prefer solar over fossil fuel generation? Well, fossil fuels are not reliable because there's only so much oil that we can pull out of the ground, right? And there's only so much left. The longer we're reliant on this, the more of a scramble there's going to be at the end. And I don't want to be a part of that scramble. I want to be off in the woods with my solar panels, with my little garden, not being a part of that kind of chaos. The sun isn't going to stop shining. The wind isn't going to stop blowing. People need to realize that the narrative around reliability has been spun. Really, the reliable technologies, I mean, also including nuclear, we really should be the ones we should be shifting towards are renewable, obviously. Yeah, Hannah, that's a good point. And I think the technology is advancing faster now as we are transitioning to a more green economy and more money is flowing into research and development in these new technologies. We're hearing new battery technology breakthroughs constantly. And now that um, home storage and grid storage is becoming more of a uh, goal for battery technology, we're transitioning away from lithium ion batteries, which are energy dense, but are not as cheap as many other batteries. We're trying to work on battery te- technologies that are larger and heavier but which we can set up as grid storage or as local batteries, which will be much more affordable, not use lithium and cobalt, which are very expensive elements and have huge environmental impacts to mine. There's uh, iron air batteries, flow batteries, solid state batteries that we're continuously hearing about new breakthroughs on. New factories are being set up to develop these batteries. So they are coming to the market, hopefully in the next two to three years. And hopefully that, that savings will start to trickle down to the average person as those start to scale up in production. Yeah. Another thing I like to talk about when I talk about self-reliance and environmentalism is privacy. So as a conservative, I really don't want 
big business or big government knowing anything about me at all, because I feel like any information I give them is going to be used against me, which I say that, and then I sound like a crazy conspiracy theorist, but I truly feel that way. And I feel like if I'm able to go off the grid, I don't have to communicate with a power company to talk, like disclose how much energy I've used. You know, I value that kind of privacy because then I can use my time, my life for myself, and I don't have to answer to anyone about it. And I really feel like self-reliance and privacy go hand in hand. And that also allows me to be more environmentally conscious. A regular old Ron Swanson conservative. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I, I love Ron Swanson. If any of you guys ever watch Parks and Recs, Ron Swanson is the kind of conservative that I am, if that makes sense. I don't want the government in my business. I don't want big business in my business. If being self-reliant is the biggest way, easiest way to do that, and I think it is, then I'm going to do that. I'm going to bake my own bread. I'm going to grow my own fruit. I'm going to grind my own flour. I'm going to produce my own energy on my house. Don't forget the chicken coop. <laughs> and I'm going to have a chicken coop. So therefore, I don't have to answer to the government and I don't have to answer to a big business. And I think another part of this is the self-reliance and individuality lets you like live in different places. You can live more remotely and you can be more in tune with nature and you, know, you can go hunting for elk and deer and be in the environment. And you can support your local environment by planting locally, by growing your own stuff. And it's just good for the environment. It's good for you. And it's just a good habit to have. We should continue to reach for this goal of the ideal energy independence. That's a goal that conservatives should continue to have. Yeah, I think that it's the way that God intended it. I don't think the way God intended for us to be dependent on big business and big government in order to survive. That is so wrong to me. And it's so antithetical to everything that I believe. And putting solar panels on my rooftop is the best way to live aligned with those values. If everyone who is wondering... Katie's being the doula for this this woman. And we just barely received a text message that this woman that Katie is helping give birth, Katie helped her deliver her beautiful baby girl. So I'm really happy for this woman. I hope to one day be able to do the same. And anyway, any other thoughts that you have on this episode, Zach? I think we I think we got to it. I think it's the the goal that we want to strive for and be less reliant on the government. So I want yep. to thank everyone for listening to Green Tea Party Radio. And a very special, special thank you to all of our Patreons. We couldn't do this without you. And if you're interested in getting early access to episodes as well as Green Tea Party Radio merch, check us out at greenteapartyradio.com. If you have feedback, tell us what's on your mind and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Green Tea Party Radio. You guys are awesome. We love you dearly. We hope you have a wonderful evening or morning or afternoon or middle of the night, depending on when you're listening to this. (laughs) Oh, oh, the woman, her name's Vivian Michelle, right? Welcome Vivian Michelle into the world. Fancy name. I have a great joke I want to tell. Oh, tell the joke, tell the joke. How much do you think a parking spot in a city is worth? I don't want to know. I don't want to think about that. That makes me angry. So sold separately at the apartment me and my girlfriend visited in downtown Denver, you could have your own parking spot for $55,000. $55,000? Does not come with the apartment. <laughs> Are you serious in downtown Denver?
Yeah, we were like, pass. We're we're not going to live here. That's it. <laughs> Who spends $55,000 on a parking spot? Yeah, I was like, are we supposed to take a second mortgage out for a parking spot? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Save me, Jesus. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that is... Wow, things are getting out of control. I feel like that is so stupid personally you should fight whoever did that <laughs> give him a nice punch to the face because i feel yeah. like that is stupid yeah we, we'll need to bring this up on the episode we do about um city planning and uh designing cities efficiently <laughs> oh my gosh cities should not be designed for cars yeah it's it's tough out here in Denver. it's very car centric and we have like so many nice areas and then there's just, like a three-lane, four-lane highway just cutting through the middle of the neighborhood. You're like, okay, I guess I can't walk to the park across the street. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I think it's so silly to that the entire United States is planned around cars. I think it's terrible, especially here in Utah. They're taking out 41 homes on the west side of I-15 where I live. Historic homes. Just To expand the highway? To expand the highway. Yeah. I mean, okay, we're saying this on a self-reliance episode. Listen to me, guys. Buggy. You don't need a car. Get a horse and buggy. Or um, I guess you could say public transportation is less aligned with self-reliance, but I think I think you can I think you can manage that. <laughs> Walkability. Neighborhoods where you can walk to a local restaurant. I, yeah, absolutely. Walkability. I I judge a city's health by how many stupid little stores there are. If there's a magic shop or a rock store, that's a great economy. That's a great local economy. No, true. True. <laughs> there is a pastry shop that serves just croissants and it's just plain croissants. You know that that is a healthy city. If you were wondering if this place launders money, it's probably – it's either a good business or they are laundering money. <laughs> Honestly, Loki, I wonder how many of these like rinky-dinky little cute shops are actually money laundering fronts. I'm like, ah, do you actually sell this many antique cat paintings? I mean, I know that there's clientele out there like me, but (laughs) seriously. Yeah. I'm actually looking into one of those paintings of your cat with like the the royal look for my girlfriend for her her birthday. (laughs) Aww. That's so cute. How long have you and your cat been together for? <laughs> Me and my cat, uh, we only got him. He's coming up on a year. This in a few days, or a few in a few week or so, week or so. Nice, nice. Well, I love you guys all very dearly. Don't forget to upload your cat photos to our email, and we'd really appreciate that because um, I love seeing fluffy friends. All right, thank, thank you, you so much listening. for joining us again. conservative and concerned about climate change, you're not alone. My name is Chelsea Henderson, and I host RepublicEN.org's EcoRight Speaks, bringing you weekly guest interviews and stories. John Kasich, Christine Todd Whitman, Congresswoman Nancy Mace, meteorologist Marshall Shepard. Each week, we have a conversation with an EcoRight leader bringing you information, opinions, personal stories, and much, much more. Download, listen, subscribe, and join us each week on the Eco Right Speaks.